Welcome to Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Stacey Slaughter with the San Francisco Giants and Pat Gallagher, who was formerly with the San Francisco Giants. So we've got uh, two West Coasters on our podcast today. Uh, really excited to talk to Stacey and Pat about their experiences in sports. Um, we will start off with Stacey talking about her career, how she got her start, uh, and kind of where she is now, and and really an inspiration to to women in sports uh, today. So, Stacy, take it away. Thank you. I'm delighted to join you. And um, well, Pat was there at the very beginning of my sports career, so I owe a lot of it to him. Um, I actually started my career in politics um, and had been the press secretary to the mayor of San Francisco. Um, and then in the late 90s, the Giants were about to build a ballpark um, needed some communication strategy that related to politics and public affairs. And so they called me up and asked me if I would come over and do a job for two months to help them um, run communications for their political campaign. And that two months has now lasted 23 years. So I'm I'm still here. (laughs) It's one of the things about the Giants. Once you start, you rarely leave. (laughs) They're great. I mean, you know what, and Stace, I, let me just say, uh, you know, with your, you, you and I have had the pleasure to work together for a number of years, but the, the reason why we started this podcast was really for, uh, for young people who are uh, either in uh, sports administration programs or who are in sports and are just, you know, they, they would like to talk to other people or listen to other people. So, you know, you just kind of think that, you know, people are sort of eavesdropping on this conversation, but I'll just say, let me just start off too. You went through a little bit of your path, but I'll say is that with what you do with the Giants now, and we can maybe talk about some of the specifics of your role, but I, I would, I would, if somebody asked me, what does Stacy Slaughter do for the Giants? I would say that you're really the conscience of the organization. <laughs> I mean, that's a heavy, that's a heavy load, but I really do think so. And, you know, you manage aside from all the things that you manage with media relations and marketing and communications, community relations, the community fund, junior giants, and all the things that go with that. But you also, also you, you have to manage from a communication standpoint, a lot of really strong personalities. Uh, Some of them are, some of them are in uniform. Some of them aren't in uniform. Some of them wear ties. Some of them don't talk a little bit about, about just the, you know, we could dive into just what that's like and sort of maybe what the challenge is. How do you do it? You don't have to give up all your secrets, but yeah. talk a little bit about it. Thanks. Um, well, that's a very nice introduction. Um, I, you know, if, if you take a step back and you think about this organization and what it's really been built around for the, you know, hundred plus years it's been in existence and really since it's been in San Francisco when it moved here in the late uh, 1950s is, you know, this is an organization that's really a civic asset. It's a, it's an institution, if you will. It's, it's so much more than a business and our identity. um, I don't like to use the word brand because it's really the core of our organization is built around a certain set of values that reflect San Francisco, you know, one that includes, you know, inclusion and diversity and taking care of each other and um, really stepping in and trying to, you know, stand up for social justice. And, um, and so, you know, we're a baseball team, but we also stand for so much more. And a lot of my job is, is surrounded around making sure that 
as we're operating as a, as a business, that we stay true to the values of who we are as an organization. Um, and sometimes those conflict with each other. Um, and, and, and sometimes they can be really challenging to navigate through, um, you know, and, um, and I think the one thing that, um, that's been heartening in, in my position is that at the core of, you know, pretty much everyone who works here realizes the fact that we are so much more than just a business and that, and we're so much more than a baseball team, that we are this civic institution and we are the people who work for it are just the stewards of that institution. I mean, Pat, you were a steward of the giants for a number of decades. And, and now there's a whole new group of us who are in that role and that we want to leave this organization better than we found it. Um, and so if you operate a business in that way, um, you're going to attract a lot of like-minded people, um, either the people that you sign as players or your managers or the executives who help run the team. Um, and fortunately, we do have a, a really strong group of people that when we are having a challenging time or we're off the trail rails a little bit, if we go back to kind of that moral compass of who we are as an organization, we generally tend to get back on track. Um, yeah, but I mean, it can it's, be challenging. It, it can, and, you know, in the, the, you know, everybody, you're, you know, unlike another business, there's lots of larger businesses around, but, you know, a baseball team is maybe one of the most visible businesses. And, you know, you, you, you may not always do the right thing, but you always try to do the right thing. And you right. try to, and part of that sort of that transparency of, of letting people know what your character is all about is being able to, um, you know, talk about maybe some issues that are difficult that you maybe you don't really want to talk about, but being able to not only that, but to coach the people who are the, you know, the spokes, the spokespeople yeah. for the organization on how to do that. Talk, how, how do you, you know, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, you know, with somebody like our manager, uh, Bruce, Bruce Bochy or um, any of the other top executives, they all have strong personalities. They're all in a very competitive business. How do you, how do you coach them? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I always try to do, and I, and I have to do this with our players sometimes too, to remind people about what, you know, you may have your individual opinion about something, but you also have to remind them of who we, the giants are and what we stand for. And so, you know, oftentimes it's a conversation about just reminding people that, you know, they, they are their, their own individual self, but they also represent an organization or institution that's bigger than them and their words matter. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when we're, navigating through a sensitive subject or we're, you know, talking about issues that may be going on in the community. And, you know, um, what we really try to do is reinforce a set of values that people can fall back on, whether it be inclusion or, you know, equality and, um, and social justice and, you know, and, and everything that we represent as an organization and that San Francisco represents, um, I think helps people kind of find, uh, you know, find the right way to say things and, and the right way to represent the organization. I mean, I have to say, we've been pretty fortunate in the years that I've been here that people who come to work here are pretty bought into our the values of the organization and our, our identity and, and what we stand for. Um, so that does make it, you know, it makes my job and everyone else's job, but sometimes things go off the rails and, um, 
you know, and it's in, it's important to acknowledge it and, and, you know, and to, you know, move forward and also, you know, um, you know, just to remind people about who we are as an organization. I mean, you know, you get a, you get a crop of, of new players every year, young players. And yeah, you know, it's interesting is that, you know, somebody can throw a baseball a hundred miles an hour and know exactly where it's going, but it might be a challenge for them to be able to put together a, you know, a, 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 a cogent thought about something <laughs> or might be, or, or to do something that is, um, that, that doesn't try to get too far ahead of what they really mean. And so, and, and I know in, in over the years, you know, there's some people who are better at this than others. There's some who come from a background that doesn't, you know, they've never had to deal with before. But it, it, tell me a little bit or tell the, the listeners a little bit about how do you, and it's not just you, it's your staff and others that you have. How do you coach a, a young player on, um, on really how to say it and what to say and what not to say? Well, I'll give you a little bit of a real life situation that everyone in professional sports and, and baseball we've been dealing with is um, social media posts of young players. Oh man. <laughs> and and you go down that rabbit hole. I mean, we just saw it with the guy Kyler Murray who's pick of the A's and he's, you know, won the Heisman over the weekend and some reporter dug deep into his Twitter account back or Instagram or I can't remember what it was, you know, when he was 14 years old and found some really offensive um comments or likes mm. or rap lyrics or whatever, you know, and and this is a common occurrence with professional athletes. Um, we have all of, you know, it's, it's this newer generation of athletes. So it's kids who were starting to draft over the past couple of years. Um, you know, when Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner and those guys were coming up, social media wasn't really a thing yet. And so they didn't have Twitter accounts and they, uh, until they were later. Now this younger demographic of player, they're getting Twitter accounts when they're 12 or Instagram accounts or Snapchat. And so, um, and they're not emotionally mature enough to handle that <laughs> power of that information. Right. Right. And so, you know, and so there's been many a draft pick or new younger player who's come up, Josh Hader, who was a pitcher for the Brewers, yeah. you know, the media is going down and looking at their past tweets and things that they've liked. And, um, and so, you know, we've spent a lot of time that just recently educating our draftees when they are drafted and our rookie players and our major league players and our minor league players about thinking before you like something, thinking before you tweet, think about how your words have meaning and how they impact people. Um, and, and so it's been a whole new world because in the past you would worry about what a player would say to the reporter. Now you have to worry about if it's midnight and they're up and they're looking through, scrolling through Instagram and they like a buddy's comment, but it actually is an offensive comment. Oh, that's boy. a reflection on them. And um, so, and there's, and, and I've had to have many a phone calls with some of our recent rookies to give them my mom voice and say, you know, <laughs> if you, if you don't want your grandma reading it, I wouldn't tweet it. <laughs> and, so, and I get a lot of, yes, ma'am. You're right, ma'am. I'm sorry, ma'am. Well, and I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, Scott McGill used whole to new say, world. yeah, it, well, Scott McGill used to say that, you know, you put something out there and it's like a tattoo. You I mean, own it. <laughs> you own you it. Own it. And it stays that, with you. 
and I just came back from the baseball meetings and where we had two days of public relations meetings. And that was subject number one mm-hmm. was how do we navigate through this new world of social media and, um, and, 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 and a lot of it has to do back with basic education, but a lot of it's also about sensitivity training and inclusion and, you know, making sure that our players understand a, who they represent and they're representing their families too. And, and so there's a lot of, you know, psychology going on. Well, yeah. <laughs> it used, well, to, you, used to be just media training. Now you know, there's but, a whole well, other. Well, Stacy, also, let me take off on this. You mentioned, you know, you have to use your mom voice sometimes. But you are a mom. You're yeah. a working mom. And, yeah. you know, and it's I mean, aside from this crazy job that you have uh, with a major league baseball team, you have a whole other job. Mm-hmm. Talk. I mean, how do you balance those things? You know, you've got two great kids, Jake and Ben, who are, you know, about I think, to leave the nest, about to leave yeah. the nest which, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Stacey, they never leave. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, Pat. <laughs> but but talk, talk about. Talk a little bit about the, just sort of how do you juggle being a working mom and working in in a, in a role like this? Well, I think, um, well, one little side is that all of these issues I'm dealing with with these young players and their tweets, it's been great teachable moments for me with my own kids to say, see, people find this stuff, so don't be stupid. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, um, you know, I, I think as a work, as a parent, mom, dad, you know, most people these days, because of how expensive it is to live in the Bay Area and just the cost of living everywhere, in in many respects now are two working parent households. You know, when I first was coming up, I was one of the only Giants executives that had a spouse who worked. Now it's more the norm than it is um, not. And so I think for parents as, you know, in general, I think there needs to be clear boundaries set. You know, I was, there's always been this, you know, badge of honor that you had to stay to every last out and you had to stay here, you know, for every game, even if you didn't have game day responsibilities. And for me, I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have a babysitter raise my family. And so I am very available, but my availability might not always be my physical presence, but my phone, my email, I am, you know, if there's an issue that's going on on the road or at a game here at at and Park and I happen to be home with my kids on a school night, I am completely accessible. But having that ability to be home with my kids and they know the fact that, you know, I have to be available 24-7. They're used to me jumping on conference calls and things like that um, is really important to me and establishing some boundaries. And I think baseball teams as they've seen the demographics change, as they've seen more to working parent households, they have had to become much more flexible in terms of scheduling and having coverage for people. And, you know, and it's just, that's just the reality of, you know, a healthy work-life balance. Um, Stacey, how do, how, do you, how do you take that approach with, with how you, um, you know, manage people or oversee, you know, departments? How do you take that approach and, and apply it top down? So, so I'm a big believer with my staff because they do work weird hours. It's just the reality of this game. <laughs> and so I'm always a big believer of, I don't care how you get the work done or what hours you work, as long as you get the work done. Um, and I have everyone on my staff gives 110%. And I also look at our staffing and say, okay, in our, 
media relations department. This is the group that travels with the team that runs spring, spring training that's at every game. You know, how do we make sure that we're staffed appropriately so that people don't have to work seven straight home games and then go on the road for 10 games. And so we've, you know, been able to train people and develop people so that we have a great rotation of three solid PR people who can rotate through so that people get a weekend off or they get some weeknights off, or if they're going on the road, they'll get a couple days off in between. And so we really have tried to, to create a flat organization within my department so that we can cover for each other. If um, our VP of community relations is on a trip or she's taking her daughter to college, I can step in and do something for her or vice versa. If I'm taking my child to camp or, you know, something she can step in or other people. And I, and I'm a firm believer in creating a flat organization so that anybody can step in and do your job for you. I don't feel like there has to be this hierarchy in place that I'm the one who has to talk to Larry bear. It really should be anyone who could, you know, do the job and execute. Um, and then obviously everyone is accessible and available when they need to, to be. And then when the off season comes around, you know, particularly for the media relations department, I'm saying work from home a couple of days. I know you're getting the media guide done, but you don't have to do that in the office. And that's the wonder and beauty of technology too, is that you can be accessible without always having to be physically present. Sure. I, mean, I, really, I think, I think it, communication, Pat, right. To, to that point. Uh, is, is yeah, so and it's huge. also, it's become part of the culture is that that is a fairly new thing. I mean, you know, back back when I started in the dead ball era, it wasn't that far back. But, but back, but it was you know the the badge of courage was that you would stay till the end of every game, whether you had anything to do or not. And it was a sort of a ridiculous uh, request, but it is it, that's one of the great things about um, about not a lot of the modern organizations is that you know to to attract and to develop high quality people. Um, you know, you have to realize they have to lead semi-normal lives. I mean, nobody who works in the business leads a totally normal life. You lead a, right. uh, a you know, you, and you have to be able to balance it. And also to, from, from a management, from a top management standpoint, to be able to understand that and to allow that to happen. It's a, it's a big reason why the culture, at least in organizations like the Giants and others, it has developed the way it is, is that that's why people want to run through walls to work in organizations like that, because they, you know, they, they recognize that sort of effort stuff. So, hey, Stacy, I've got to ask you, there's, there's, I've been waiting to ask you this question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, this, is, uh -oh. this is so great. No, it's a, it's a great one. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've always been impressed, you know, with everything, but I was totally impressed to find out that you actually did a TED talk. I did. And, and, wow. and, and, and so, and I know you've sort of tried to keep it a secret. Well, I've found it. Anybody listening to this I podcast. I quoted you. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, tell me about how you prepped and what it was like to give a TED Talk. Oh, my God. It was the most nerve-wracking. It was the s most stressed I've been in a really long time, actually. But I, I, I was asked to participate in this TEDx Broadway that, that tries to bring together the Broadway community and um, and find out, find ways that they can improve the theater industry and the Broadway community. And so they bring in people from similar industries to give talks. And I had no idea what I was going to talk about. And I, you know, was working with the person and I just was really, really struggling with it. 
and I was working with Joan Ryan, who's a former columnist, who's a consultant with us to kind of help me get my thoughts down on paper. And I was going to Perry's of all places <laughs> to meet her for coffee. I've heard, I've heard of that place. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you have a stool named after you in that place. <laughs> and I walked in and I had this epiphany of, which is a great Pat Gallagher quote, we're in the fun business. And, yeah. and, and I, because we were trying to come up with a way to talk about how we won our World Series for the first time with this eclectic group of players and then it kind of struck me that, you know, there's always this, you know, you always want it, like we talked about this badge of honor to stay to the last out and, and you look miserable and you work so hard. But the reality is, is that our job at the Giants, just like it is with many entertainment industry or businesses, is to deliver fun to the fans. And you used to say that all the time. And so I had this epiphany and I, you know, we're supposed to be in the fun business, yet we're always working so hard and, and we're miserable and, and we need to just let it go. you know. And, and so the whole story was about the 2010 playoffs and how the culture in the organization really shifted both in the clubhouse with this younger generation of players of Tim Lincecum and Buster Posey and Pat Burrell and Aubrey Huff and how they created this really fun environment that allowed people to kind of free themselves and actually raise the level of play because there wasn't this kind of black cloud hanging over them all this time. And, and you saw that happening in our front office as well, where people really started to, you know, enjoy what they do and smile and look up from the, their desks and realize the fact that we get to bring joy to people. That's part of our job is to make a million fans happy on Market Street and, you know, in the ballpark. So that was the basic premise of it. it. Was, but it all started hey, with a quote from you. So. Well, 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 I'll <laughs> hey, I'll accept that. But I, I have to say, anybody listening to this is you can find a uh, TED Talk, Stacy Slaughter's TED Talk oh about, <laughs> no, but it, it is terrific because you can't wing that. You have to get up and deliver it. And, yeah. um, and once it's delivered, uh, it's there. It's, it's, it's there yeah. for everybody to see. So it's a wonderful thing. Let, let's shift gears a little bit. And since a lot of people who would listen to this are students, you know, people, yeah. students, I mean, now there's over 300 sports management programs um, in the U.S. Uh, and it is incredible. It started off uh, where Jake went to, to Ohio University, which was the first mm -hmm. one. Now there's over 300. So if you were talking to a, a student or some students about what are the qualities they should, what, what, what should they do to prepare themselves? How, how do they, you know, how do they stand out? What are they, what, what sort of things should, skills should they sharpen in order to uh, potentially get involved in, in professional sports? Well, one of the things that I, I like to give advice for people who may be in college or in one of those programs is when you're on a university campus, all around you is an opportunity to get work experience. And so don't wait until you're graduating to go try to find a job in professional sports. I think some of the people who we hire, at least for internships and entry-level positions, are really folks who've worked in their sports information department at their local university, who have, you know, volunteered at, you know, the minor league um, team in their local community, all of those types of things, and really think about um, where in your surrounding environment, wherever that may be at your, in your hometown or in your college, that you can find relevant work experience. 
Um, and then the other thing I would say, and I do think the sports information or the sports management programs, um, I, I would say we probably hire 80% of our staff from the USF program because they have this incredible work internship, you know, program where they can go to school and still get relevant work experience at a team. And so we find a lot of our, our folks through that because they'll work year round and they'll still be going to school. And we also have the Pat Gallagher fellow who comes out of the USF sport management program too. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, that is such a great thing. The, the Giants, when I, when I left the Giants, they, they started this fellowship, uh, which I'm, I'm humbled by. And the other thing is I never could have qualified for it. I mean, I was never, <laughs> I, I mean, these, these kids that are doing it are, are way better. And uh, one of the things is I get to meet them uh, at some point yep. during the year. So it is a, you know, it's, it is a great thing. And I think that, you know, I mean, Stacey, you didn't start out by saying, I want to be the executive vice president of a major league baseball team. No. When you were a kid, what, you know, sort of, what did you, what did you think about? What was your, you know, what was oh, your I was going like? to be, a, I was going to be a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to Berkeley and realized that, I was not going to do well in those science classes, but so what I decided that I wasn't going to pursue medical school. I, I, I wanted to do something in communications. Um, it was always an area that was a, in a strength to me. And I, um, one of the things that I really want to encourage young people who are thinking about getting into any business, but sports particularly is, the ability to write well and communicate well. Um, I don't know. I don't know what going on at universities these days, but I've noticed that there's been a, a rapid decline in people's verbal uh, written communication skills. And so I really, I strongly encourage people to take that very seriously um, because it's really important. You have to write in any aspect of your job. If you're a communications person, if you're in the sales office, if you're in a marketing department, even in the baseball operations, there's a huge element of written and verbal communications. And that is, is really important to, um, to any successful, um, you know, employees. So I, I highly recommend that. And then just this ongoing ability to just, you know, no job is too small. Um, you know, and that I think is really important that, you know, work as hard as you can and make yourself indispensable and be willing to do, you know, making copies, whatever it is, you know, to, um, to get as much experience as you possibly can. Well, Stacy, and to your, to your point about, um, the written, the written skills and think about how much time we spend on email every day. Right. And, and how many things mm -hmm. get done via email. And right. I know one thing that I've noticed is how easy something can get lost in translation in email Yes, because you can't have any emotion behind it. You can't have a facial expression behind it. Right. So knowing how and who you're approaching, uh, talk a little bit about how important that is more so almost from an uh, emotional intelligence aspect. Yeah. I think knowing, you know, tone and content and really being, um, clued into the, you know, kind of the social skills a lot of, um, is I think really important being able to articulate what your plan is for something, you know, say you're given a project to do, you know, being able to articulate how you're going to go about a project and how you're going to achieve it. And what are those measurable goals that you're going to, you know, um, execute on. And, um, those types of things are really, um, being able to, being able to articulate, you know, 
what it is you're, you're trying to achieve, not just personally, but in your profession um, is critical. And I think sometimes there's a major disconnect and, and, and people are, you know, not on the same page because they don't all get in a room and kind of talk out, you know, you know, some of the complex problems that they're trying to, or challenges that they're trying to deal with. I mean, I think I spend 90% of my job saying, all right, let's all get in a room and, you know, with (laughs) different departments saying, okay, how are we going to tackle this, whatever issue it is? And um, that's, that's a really important um, skill for people to be willing to bring everybody together um, and, and try to hash out, um, an operations issue or a marketing issue or a PR, you know, a lot of times it's a PR issue. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And also the other advice I give to people who are maybe entry level employees here who are just starting out. And my whole theory is you don't want your job at a sports team to define your identity. Um, it's obviously going to be a great cocktail conversation starter. It's going to be the thing that most people are going to gravitate towards like, oh, there's Stacy. She works at the Giants. You know, that's not my identity. And I think it's really important for young people starting out. I was in a fortunate situation where I had a successful career and came to this organization. So I had already established my credentials. But for an entry level person coming in, you know, if you're not moving up the organization because there's little turnover, don't stay just to stay because you're working for the San Francisco Giants or whatever team it is you're working for. If you're not getting enough professional growth out of it, you need to be willing to move on and do something different. Um, Because I do see a lot of times people, they get the coveted job at the sports team, but they don't necessarily have a fulfilling career because they haven't been able to, you know, continue to move up the ladder and it may not be anything against them it's just that there's very little turnover at these sports teams and so it takes it's a much longer path for people to um you know to move up than maybe in a in a normal company Stacey to that point what advice do you have for females in sports or females in baseball specifically I know obviously there's a there's a big ramp up in the diversity and inclusion around Mm -hmm. not only the country, but the world and and sports, because it is uh, such a public facing career. Mm -hmm. What advice might you have for women? And then I have something for you after that. Okay. Um, I do think it's important to, I mean, the thing about baseball, just like a lot of different sports is they're really trying to diversify because they have a very diverse fan base. Their customer base is very diverse. And, you know, the, the folks who are spending the money within the family tends to be the mom. And so there's a real opportunity to communicate to women in a different way. And I think organizations are much stronger when they have a diverse mix of people um, within their ranks. So um, along those lines, I think really trying to understand the industry is important, but also be willing to look at a variety of opportunities, not necessarily in your hometown, but, you know, being willing to, to relocate to a place for the job or an opportunity that may give you the experience um, to really, you know, have a, a successful career within the industry, I think is really important. I do think, um, now is a really interesting time for women um, and other um, unrepresent, underrepresented groups to, you know, try to enter into the baseball world because there's really an, a strong effort to create a pipeline of um, 
people with diverse backgrounds to work both at the Major League Central office, but also within teams. And so I think there's a real time. I mean, the issue now is, you know, what jobs are available. And but as turnover happens, which inevitably does, you know, I think there's, you know, it's probably one of the best times for women and other underrepresented populations to, you know, make, um, you know, uh, entrances into that field. Sure. And as you've gone throughout your career, obviously through the communication side and the PR side, but how much of an impact is really understanding the financial side of things and how money impacts certain areas and certain Mm -hmm. departments? What kind of impact does that have on your career and and the ability to climb up the ladder per se, as you were talking about earlier? Well, I think it's really important to understand um, finance and budgeting. Um, That was something that I really didn't have a lot of experience in when I first started here and now have had to, you know, I have to manage a budget. And, you know, um, my side of the business doesn't really negotiate business deals, but I think um, for people to, you know, really be successful on the business side of the organization or even on the baseball transactional side, you know, skill sets in business ne- transactional negotiations, um, I think would be really helpful um, and, and strong communication skills along that. So, you know, a really well-rounded um, background, I think, would be really important for sure. Sure. And switching, switching uh, paths here. What's the importance of charity as you go personally and professionally uh, as you try and grow throughout your career? And then we'll kick it to Stacey as, as to what her priorities have been throughout her career as well. Well, so part of my job is overseeing the Giants philanthropic work. And so we do a, a you know, a whole host of work in the areas of um, with children and recreation and health. And, um, and so I do a lot of charitable work involved with my job and I, and I help execute a strategy for, you know, kind of what are the areas that we focus on for the organization. For me personally, um, I've always been um, very involved sitting on a number of different boards for, with organizations that are outside of my role at the Giants. And um, I'm a very passionate runner. And so I, and I'm also um, a big hiker. And so I've been really involved in the Golden Gate National Recreation Area here in San Francisco, um, serving on their board for 12 years um, and trying to raise money for the national parks here in the Bay Area. And um, I've been involved in a number of other nonprofits and my children's school and things like that. Um, I think it's really important as a, you know, member of the community. My parents were always involved and it's, you know, it's the example I want to set for my children too, that it's one thing to have a job and a family, but you also need to give back and serve your community in some way. Um, Well, and and as you were saying earlier about representing the culture and representing you know, something a little bit just bigger than sports. Talk about how, you know, being part of charity and being part of uh, the organization as a whole and take partaking in some of those activities can really uh, provide a different perspective and how sports can truly impact really everything around you. Yeah, I mean, I think the power of sports and being able to have a platform like we do to raise awareness about important, important issues is, is one of the, the great things that we have at our disposal. I mean, when we have community groups that come to us and say, we want to partner with the Giants, we said, okay, we have a built-in 
you know, audience of 40,000 fans every single game. And then we have a television audience. What's your message and how can we amplify it for you? And so I think that's a really strong attribute that every sports team has and they should use it to the fullest. Um, And, you know, and then to be able to see the sense of civic pride when a team is doing something really big philanthropically or like when we won the World Series and to see you know, the million fans pour out and line Market Street for our parade when we won the first year and then subsequently the two other times mm-hmm. um, is and, and how people walk around town with their Giants gear on. And it's like a, it's a sense of civic pride to be a Giants fan. And that's ultimately what this organization has always wanted to have is that role in the community. I mean, Pat was intimately involved even during the very lean years at Candlestick Park. Um, you know, up through when we opened this ballpark here, um, AT&T Park, you know, that whole sense of pride that, you know, that that's, you know, I'm part of San Francisco and being a San Francisco, San Franciscan, my, you know, symbol of that is wearing a Giants hat or a shirt is, is really important, um, you know, for us. And it's a big um, source of pride for us as an organization. Sure. Looking back at, at your career, um, what advice would you give to yourself if you started all over again today, knowing <laughs> what you know now? Sleep more. Um, <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, I think this is a common thing with women starting out their careers. I think it's getting less and less so um, as more women enter the workforce and more women are in higher positions um, starting out. Um, I would probably speak up more you know, on the earlier years, because, you know, you always have this, well, many women have this imposter syndrome where they're like, I don't really belong here, this, you know, (laughs) and so it takes a while to kind of get over that and to build confidence to be able to, you know, really speak up and and speak, voice your opinion and give your suggestions and know that they're going to be thought of seriously. Um, I think I would have done that sooner. Now everyone says I probably talk too much, but, um, (laughs) you know, but I do think earlier on, I would have, um, you know, tried to do that sooner. Well, we, we really appreciate your time today and and we know you're, you're busy and and quite frankly could win the award for the most interesting woman in the world. So, (laughs) uh, so we, we really appreciate your time today on life in the front office. Uh, we would love to have you on in the near future again, hopefully after you guys uh, start to kick off a great season as holy cow, it's almost 2019 and spring training's yeah. right around the corner. I probably shouldn't remind you of that I know <laughs> uh, because it probably feels like the season just ended, but um, it is around the corner and we're looking forward to, to seeing you guys out on the field. Um, best of luck with the great. holidays and, and the upcoming season and we will uh, talk again soon. Thanks so much. 